This is Street Signals, a weekly conversation about markets and macro brought to you by State Street Global Markets. I'm your host, Tim Graff, Head of Macro Strategy for EMEA at State Street, based in London. This week, we're going to try something different. It's pretty quiet. I'm on vacation next week, so we're going to do a shorter podcast and then take a short break and then come back to you on September 7th with a new episode. In the meantime, this week, it's just going to be me talking to you, so I hope that's okay. And rather than focus on just one topic like we often do, I wanted to do a quick tour of the things that I think will be of interest for the next couple of weeks and months and what our research is saying about them. I think there are five things that bear watching go in into the autumn, and I'll highlight some of the things our research is saying about them along the way. First topic is higher U.S. yields and the bear steepening of the U.S. yield curve, as well as yield curves elsewhere. This is a big deal, and it's spooking markets right now. And the question is whether it has the potential to upset markets even further and more broadly. We've, of course, had a stellar recovery in equities this year. And Pete Vincent and I talked about this a lot last week. And I think the belief is that, yes, this is something that has the potential to really wreck things as it extends. But as with so many worries that enter market consciousness over the years, there's nuance to this. But first, let's talk about why are yields rising? Is this about U.S. deficits or worries about U.S. credit? I actually don't think so. Bond yields are rising and curves are bear steepening everywhere, even in countries like Australia, which is now running a balanced budget. So it's not about that. I'm not even entirely sure this is about the Bank of Japan's recent policy tweaks to yield curve control, and treasuries may be looking less attractive on an FX-hedged basis for Japanese investors. For those guys, there's been a yield give up on that trade pretty much ever since the Fed started raising rates a year ago. Now, it does make holding JGBs a little bit more attractive, I will grant that. This isn't even really about inflation expectations rising. In fact, short-term break-evens have been falling to the lows of this cycle, and long-dated inflation expectations embedded into inflation swaps or linkers have been very stable of late. And the first thing that I really wanted to mention from our research on this is that we really are seeing greater evidence of inflation normalizing. Michael Metcalf, in part using work taken from our Price Stats Inflation panel, published a piece last week focusing on 10 factors that we track to determine whether U.S. inflation has normalized back to pre-pandemic norms. Six of the 10 suggest that it has normalized, and a couple more are not far off from tipping into that direction. So that's the first thing I would pay attention to from our research, whether the overall trend in online inflation actually starts to reaccelerate or continues to normalize. So far, we can't say we, we see reacceleration, but it is worth watching. And then we come to the question of whether this rise in rates is simply a buyer's strike in fixed income. And here again, we have evidence to say, not really. The U.S. Treasury flows of institutional investors that we track in our behavioral indicators show very strong demand on both a total and a cross-border basis. It doesn't matter if we weight flows by duration or look at them on a total nominal basis. It's all pretty strong. But I guess that is the risk factor here. Those flows are the second thing from our research that I think bears watching going into the autumn. If they turn south and investors turn out to be aggressive sellers of duration over the next couple of months, given they seem to be the marginal buyer at the moment, and given their positions are starting to look a little bit full, things really could get kind of ugly. 
I'm interrupting myself to remind you that our Boston research event is coming up on September 13th and 14th at the Weston Seaport, right by our headquarters in lovely Boston, Massachusetts. Over the course of the two days, you'll hear all about the latest work from our research partners on questions like whether inflation really is breaking lower and how to use the most relevant historic precedents to think about future market environments. Also, many of my colleagues will be there presenting their thoughts for how to navigate markets over the remainder of this year into 2024. It's always an event that fires the imagination and gets me thinking about things that I've missed as a strategist and what I can look at next. So contact your State Street representative and we'll hopefully see you there. Right, back to it. Picking up the thread about rate markets, this podcast is going out the day before the Fed's Jackson Hole Symposium begins. There isn't really a consensus as to what to expect, and the symposium title, which is Structural Shifts in the Global Economy, is so vague as to mean pretty much whatever you want it to mean. But I have some thoughts. At the July Fed meeting, Jay Powell alluded to rates now being restrictive, given they were well above the projections of the long-term neutral rate. To put it in the context of recent weeks, in fact, this move in yields we've been seeing and that I've been talking about has really been a move higher in real yields. As I noted, inflation expectations actually right now are stable or even falling when you look at shorter dated break-evens. The moves have been violent, too. I've had to update my show notes for this episode pretty much constantly since the week began. And those strong treasury flows, that strong buying I mentioned, amidst a big sell-off in rates, it's interesting because the focus this week is starting to shift to whether some adjustment to the Fed's long-term projections is overdue and potentially on the cards and whether that might be flagged this week. Right now, the Fed projects the funds rate in the long term to be two and a half to two and three quarter percent. Fed funds right now is at five and a quarter to five and a half percent. So as Powell mentioned, and will admit policy is restrictive relative to that long run projection. Now, their long run inflation target is, of course, two percent. That puts the long term real rate or what folks would call R star, the rate that balances the economy, somewhere around 0.5 to 0.75 percent, again, in real terms, which I don't think, coincidentally, is pretty much exactly the rate you get from modeled estimates of long-term neutral rates, such as the Laubach-Williams rate. Now, if you're the Fed and you want to tweak current policy settings, you can do one of, I think, three things. You could say policy is tight. Yep, it's sufficiently restrictive. Inflation is going to come down even further. Maybe we need to start thinking about cutting rates now. Well, that's probably not going to happen with the U.S. economy still looking relatively healthy. You could also raise your inflation target and use that to perhaps say, job done, sit on hold for a little while and see how things play out. Jason Furman actually wrote an article about this on Monday, suggesting the Fed adopt a new inflation target, a higher target, perhaps a range of 2 to 3% for inflation. But he did also suggest that might be better suited for their 2025 policy framework review. It's also probably not the move you want to make unless you change your story on inflation dramatically from what the Fed has been telling us in terms of how hard they want to fight inflation. Or to calibrate policy, you could also raise your estimate of what the real neutral rate actually is. And that seems to be what markets are betting on ahead of this event. Nick Timoros wrote about exactly this in his Wall Street Journal column on Sunday, suggesting, first of all, that rates would probably need to stay higher for longer. 
And that perhaps raising their estimate of the long run neutral rate is the means by which the Fed could message things. It seems great timing, that article ahead of the Jackson Hole Symposium. So that's the third thing I'd look out for, a potential message change in that direction from the event this week. Raising estimates of the long-term neutral rate is not something the Fed is going to take lightly and do on a whim, but it would certainly be a forceful message to ensure markets think rates will stay higher for longer and perhaps start to reverse the pricing for cuts, which are seen beginning in Q2 of next year. The risk that then introduces, though, is to those positive bond flows that I mentioned a moment ago and a prolonged bear move in rates that ultimately over-tightens financial conditions to the breaking point. Finally, China. What do we watch for here? China is, of course, slowing dramatically. And from our indicators, I would definitely keep an eye on our inflation measures of supermarket and fresh food prices. Again, data captured via price stats. These indicators continue to show deflation, entrenched deflation at that. We're almost a full year at where we have seen year-on-year deflation in these two series. We only ever saw that before during COVID in terms of the length and depth of deflation in online prices in China. That gauge is the fourth thing I would keep my eye on, particularly if we get any more forceful policy responses in the coming days, weeks, months and inflation expectations maybe start to rise. Now, will we get that response? It looks pretty unlikely. Yu Ting Xiao and my team wrote about this last week in the wake of a cut to the PBOC's medium-term lending facility rate, noting the relatively small size of that move in the context of what appears to be a deep economic slowdown. In fact, all the measures taken so far seemed aimed more at improving sentiment in the property sector. But There, deleveraging also is more the order of the day, it would seem. And one has to wonder if what has been done so far is really the right policy prescription. After all, it looks like there's a balance sheet recession underway. And as we saw during similar instances during the financial crisis 15 years ago now, monetary policy in those scenarios only gets you so far. This is something that Richard Koo and others have highlighted the ineffectiveness of monetary policy in balance sheet recessions. And it's the overwhelming consensus from him and others, that something of a fiscal bazooka is what is needed and needs to be unleashed by the central government. How realistic that is, is also up for debate, and actually so far also looks pretty unlikely. As Yuting warns in her piece, institutions have actually been willing to buy the renminbi in the face of recent weakness. Those positions have actually built up, but unwinds could prolong renminbi weakness if disappointment is more the order of the day. And that makes the PBOC's job of managing the currency to avoid an even deeper fall even harder. That is a bit of a downer to end things on, but it brings me to the fifth and final thing that I would keep my eye on, the overall risk appetite of institutional investors. We saw something of a resurgence in risk-taking at the beginning of August, driven heavily by interest in higher carry emerging market currencies, all funded by selling the US dollar. This was happening right when risk markets actually seasonally experience one of their biggest drops in performance. And true to form, price has followed those seasonal norms, and it now looks like sentiment is actually also getting a little less buoyant. In the past week, we've seen those high carry FX flows fade, and the selling of the dollar has lost a little bit of pace. On balance, sentiment is still modestly positive, but it wouldn't take much to shift it the other way. The potential catalysts, I think, are there, and they're embedded into those other things that I've talked about that you should watch for the coming weeks. Let's see where we are in a few weeks' time when I'm back. 
Speak to you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Street Signals from the research team at State Street Global Markets. This podcast and all of our research can be found at our web portal, Insights. There, you'll be able to find all of our latest thinking on macroeconomics and markets, where we leverage our deep experience in research on investor behavior, inflation, risk, and media sentiment, all of which goes into building an award-winning strategy product. If you're a client of State Street, hit us up there at globalmarkets.statestreet.com. We'll see you next time. This communication is provided by State Street Bank and Trust Company, hereafter referred to as State Street, and is for informational purposes only and is not intended to suggest or recommend any transaction, investment, or investment strategy. It does not constitute investment research, nor does it purport to be comprehensive or intended to replace the exercise of an investor's own careful, independent review and judgment regarding any investment decision. This communication and the information herein does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice and is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities or any financial instrument nor is it intended to constitute a binding contractual arrangement or commitment by State Street of any kind. The information provided does not take into account any particular investment objectives, strategies, investment horizon, or tax status. The views expressed herein are the views of State Street as of the date specified and are subject to change without notice based on market and other conditions. The information provided herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable at the time of publication. Nonetheless, we make no representations or assurances that the information is complete or accurate, and you should not place any reliance on said information. State Street hereby disclaims any warranty and all liability, whether arising in contract, tort, or otherwise, for any losses, liabilities, damages, expenses, or costs, either direct, indirect, consequential, special, or punitive, arising from or in connection with any use of this communication and or the information herein. State Street or its affiliates may from time to time as principal or agent for its own account or for those of its clients have positions in and or actively trade in financial instruments or other products identical to or economically related to those discussed in this communication. State Street may have a commercial relationship with issuers of financial instruments or other products discussed in this communication. This communication may contain information deemed to be forward-looking statements. These statements are based on assumptions, analyses, and expectations of State Street in light of its experience and perception of historical trends, current conditions, expected future developments, and other factors it believes appropriate under the circumstances. All information is subject to change without notice. This communication or any portion hereof may not be redistributed without the prior written consent of State Street. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.